Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finchley. My title here is, is Teaching Pastor, and that's what I am asked the Lord to uh, allow me to do. We've been looking at, over the last couple of weeks, identity. Kind of answering the question, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I headed? What is, what is my hope? You know, most people spend their lives trying to answer these questions. We all have this drive for identity. Now, as you were growing, you all want to be in the in crowd, right? You want to be in the in crowd. <laughs> Some people shaking their head. No, they've been there before. The in crowd's the one who has it all together. They know where they're, they know who they are. They know where they're going. They, they know how to get there and all that kind of stuff. And have you ever noticed though how people keep changing groups? The in crowd's not so in after you get in. When you talk about identity, you've got to understand what gives you your identity is powerfully important. The world wants to press you into their mold. They're continually trying to get you to accept an identity based on your appearance, based on your ability, your performance, your family, your contribution to society. Anything that they can do to put you into a form or a place to get you in. But where you get your identity is powerfully important. Whatever you depend upon to to give you identity or meaning or purpose in life actually controls you. You see, if, if you... If you depend on other people's opinion or what other people think to give you your identity, they're going to tell you who you are, then actually their opinion, they control you. Only through discovering and resting in your identity that was given to you by your Creator, that is taught in the Word of God, can you become free from false identities that this world system is always trying to put on you. So I want to talk to you about the real in crowd. In 2 Corinthians, two passages I want you to turn to. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, and Colossians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We've talked about the plan of God. We've talked about being a new creation, the purpose of God. This morning, I want to talk to you about being in Christ. In Christ. It's a term that's thrown around a lot. We talk it, we pray it, well, you read it, you see it, but, but let's just be honest. Most of the time, we, we use a lot of terms we don't know what, me, what they mean. And, uh, the most widely used term for a believer in Jesus Christ in the New Testament is in Christ. Over 165 times, the one who has received Christ is said to be in Christ or in Christ Jesus or Literally, in Him. Now, to understand this, we sometimes think to be in something is mean you've joined something. And so we talk about being, are you in the in Christ? You joined the group. But when we're talking about being in Christ, we're not talking about joining. 
We're not talking about being in the circle. We're not talking about uh, a teaching. We're talking about a spiritual reality that is sometimes, uh, I'll be honest with you, as a pastor teacher, it's impossible to explain because it's spiritual. It's, it's invisibly visible. How do you like that? And so what I want to talk to you this morning is about being in Christ. The word in, in the Greek, is en, but it means this. It's a preposition, a primary preposition denoting fixed position in place, time, or state, or within. The idea here, the word in, I want you to notice these words. A fixed position in place, location, in Time or state. The theological meaning of this word is union. Union is defined as bringing together or uniting two or more distinct or separate entities, not previously conjoined, but now brought together, joined, formed, and united into a singular entity. So, to be in Christ, it could say, 2 Corinthians 5.17 could say it this way, Therefore, if any man is in union with Jesus Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. We're talking about in a state, or in a position, but it's more than a position. You see, if I draw a circle on the ground, I can be in the circle, I can join the circle... I can know what the circle is for, but the circle and me are separate. We're not in union. I'm just in that location. I'm not part of the circle, and the circle's not part of me. I'm talking about in reality. I can join it. So most of us, when we think about being in Christ, we're thinking about accepting the, the doctrine, knowing the teaching, following the pathway, following the Word, joining the group. And I want to tell you, it is so beyond all of that. There is a community in it, because everyone who's in Christ Jesus is in there together. But what does it mean to be in Christ? And so I want to show you an illustration that is not complete, but yet I want to show it to you to help. I hope you understand what it means to be in Christ. Not becoming a part with or not entering into even a relationship, but to be in union. The water here represents Jesus Christ. Now you do know that, that Jesus is not limited. He's the water of life. The, he's the well that's springing up. It's a flowing. It would be like the ocean. When you said, you know, the, the ocean is without limit. Now there's boundaries of land and stuff, but the ocean is without limit. The idea of being in the ocean of God's love. He's cast our sin in the depths of the sea. The whole idea that, but this is representing Christ. This water bottle is representing us or you. Now the Bible says that when you are born from above, when you come to Jesus Christ, when you accept, when you receive, First John, uh, not First John, John one twelve says, as many as received Him, to them He gave the right, the authority, the legitimate power to become children of God, sons and daughters of God, even to those who believe on His name. 
So when you receive Jesus Christ, you believe in Him. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, By God, you are in Christ Jesus. That God places you in Christ. And you are in Him. You hear the bubbles? Not only are you in Him, but He is in you. And not only are you in Him and He's in you, but you are sealed, literally, with the Holy Spirit. So you're in Him. He's in you. You're in union together in Him. You're not Him. He's not you. But there's a singular entity by which you become something you've never been before. A new creation. All things, the original things, the things you were have passed away. Everything has become new. You're in a new position. You're in a new state. You're in a new place with a new life from above. That's who you are. It's not who you're becoming. It's who you are. That's your identity. When God looks at me and you, if you're in Christ, when God looks at us, He sees us in union with His Son, Jesus Christ. He doesn't have a doubt about it. He put you there. And Jesus becomes to us, 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, He becomes to us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. He becomes everything that we need to be who we are. We're in Him. He's in us. That leaves us without excuse. I'm somebody that I've never been before. I'm a new species. I'm not of the world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of it because I'm of Him. I'm in Him. Now, all of this is going to have meaning when you understand. That makes all the difference in the world. I, I, it's, it's not in the circle. It's not in the organization of it. It's in the reality of who Christ is, I'm in Him, and He's in me. That's the mystery that was held down through the ages, which now has been revealed. Christ in you, the hope, the confident expectation of all that God has purposed and planned. Christ in you. You in Christ. Well, what does that really mean? What does it what does it mean for me? What is? I want you to keep the bottle and the water, the container, in mind. And my container is leaking. Now, here's the thing. Isn't that funny? Because we sometimes think we leak. Well, I know I was filled with the Holy Spirit, but you know, I leak. No, you don't, because you're in Christ and He don't leak. He don't leak. Now, this illustration leaks. But I want you to keep, keep this in mind because I don't know how to say it to you. And I want to show it to you in Scripture. Remember, it's in Him. It's in Him. It's, it's not that you have a relationship with Him. It's not that you've joined into a group about Him. It's not that you've believed a teaching 
that He's taught. It's that you are now in Him and He is in you and you... What are the benefits? What's in it for you? That's who you are. What's in it for you? Turn to Colossians chapter 2 and I want to begin with verse 9. Now, I just read the whole book of Colossians. Okay? Just read Colossians. Colossians... 2, 1 through 6, 7 and 8. In fact, verse 8 says, don't let anybody deceive you. Don't, let, don't get caught up in traditions of men. And then Paul says in verse 9, For in Him, Christ, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Him, everything that God is, everything... That, that God has done, everything that God has purposed and planned, all that God is in His essence is in Christ Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all in Christ, the fullness that pleroma. It means the, the word to be full, to be com- in complete measure, filled to the full with the Godhead. Now you know that. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He's fully God. He's fully man. You've been taught the doctrine of it. But here's what I want you to see. The next verse. And you are complete in Him. You are complete in Him. All the fullness of God, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is in bodily form in Christ. And you... Are complete in Him. The word complete is pleru. Now I know you don't care about the Greek. But here's one reason. Because when you think about fullness. And you think about complete. You think one's filled up with. And one is finished. Complete. But the word is the same. It's of the same root. To be complete. Means to make full. Fill. Fill up. Weast. A Bible scholar says, And you are in Him, having been completely filled full with the present result that you are in a state of fullness. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, as you are in Christ, Christ is in you, and you are complete. You are filled to the full with the reality of who He is and all that He is. That's who you are. When you come to, that's a believer. When you've come to receive Jesus Christ, God put you in Him. And you are, and all of God is in Him, and you're in Him, so all of God is in you. You're complete in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Listen to the Amplified Version. And you are in Him, made full, and having come to the fullness of life, in Christ you are too, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. And He's the head of all rule and authority, and of every angelic principality and power. You are complete in Him. That's who you are. But there's more. Look at verse 11, Colossians 2.11. In Him, remember, in Him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. 
What does that mean? Well, we know circumcision, Old Testament, God set his people apart. Made, but, he, but that was done with a, with a knife. That was done by hands of men. But he said, now there's a circumcision. When you came to be in Christ, there was a circumcision that God did in your heart. He cut away the, hearty, the fleshy heart and he put a new heart within you. He put a right spirit within you. You're in him and God has done something in you. And you, dead in trespasses, and yet you were baptized. You were buried with him in baptism in which you were also also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Paul said the same thing in Romans chapter 6 verse 3. Do you not know that as many of you were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now when you hear the word baptism, you, hear, you think baptistry. The word baptism is not an English word. It's a Greek word. They didn't know how to translate it, so they just transliterated it. What that means is they just took the Greek word and made it an English word. What that, what that does is the word literally means to immerse. To immerse. Now, that to dip. It's a better word. When it's talking about baptism here, it's not talking about being dunked in water. It's talking about being immersed into Christ. You were buried into Christ. Now, here's the thing. What difference is that? Well, when you're put into Christ, then everything that's true of Christ now becomes true of you. In other words, you are in, in time, position, and state... That when Christ died on the cross and you are in Him, you died on the cross. When, what did Christ die on the cross for? The sin. So when Christ died on the cross and you are now put in Him, that same work that what Christ did on the cross is sufficient that as if you had done it yourself. Your sins have not only been forgiven, its power has been broken. It's not about God overlooking something. He took care of it. God doesn't say, well, I know you couldn't help it, and so I'm going to let you get by with it. I'll just forgive you. No, friends, He paid for it. And when He paid for it, you were in the one who paid for it. Therefore, the, it is paid in full for you. The power, verse 6 says, that that power has been broken. It's been rendered inoperative. If you've been baptized into Christ, if you've been placed into Christ, that sin, that body of sin is done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Folks, listen to me. Sin's power, the authority of sin's control has been broken over you who are in Christ Jesus. It's broken. Well, why do we sin? Because we believe a lie. We believe, how many times we, well, I know, I'm a, I know, I come to Christ when I was a kid, but you know, I'm just human. I'm just, no, when you came to Christ, you were put into Christ, you're no longer what you were. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. That what you were has passed away with Him. In Him. Now you are a brand new creation. That power has been broken. 
You are not a slave to sin. You are not a slave to the world. You are not, no matter what people say, no matter what anybody else says, you are not a slave. You're in Christ. And how free is Jesus? The resurrected Jesus doesn't have a problem with sin. We don't either. What we have a problem with is accusation and fear. Why? Because we don't know who we are in Him. If sin's power's been broken, then why do I do it? Because I believe that's who I am. But it's a lie. That's not who I am. That's who I was. That's not me. I'm a new creation. I'm baptized into Christ. So here's the first thing. The benefit of being in Christ is the power of sin has been broken. You don't have a problem with sin anymore. In fact, the devil has a problem with you. Let's go on. As if that's not enough. Verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he's made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You were dead. You died with him. But here's the thing. Before you even knew you died with him, you were dead in trespasses and sin. Sin had already done its work. You were, you were, sin had already separated you from God. But when you came to Jesus Christ, you're no longer separated from God. You are put into Christ. And when you were put into Christ, just as Jesus, you died with Him on the cross, but on the third day He rose from the grave. And if you're in Him, you rose from the grave. You are now alive to God. You're as alive to God today as Jesus is alive to God today. Isn't it amazing? In Ephesians it says we're seated with Him in the heavenlies. We are there. You say, hey, we, I'm not there, I'm here. No, you're there because you're in Him. You're here because He's in you. He hadn't left anything out. The victory's won. The power's been broken. The problem's not with the with what the reality is. The problem is me knowing it and believing it. This is who I am. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Him. And I'm complete in Him. The power of sin in me, when Christ died, I died with Him. That has been broken. The life to God, I, Romans chapter uh, 6 verse 8 says it this way. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we'll also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Now listen to this next words. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. You are alive to God. You can approach boldly the throne of grace. You can, you're, as, you're as comfortable in the throne room of, of heaven as Jesus is. Because you're in Him. There's nothing left out. You're in Him. He's in you. You died with Christ... But look at the next verse. Likewise, 
Reckon yourselves, count it to be true, to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know what the Satan uses against you? you know what the devil uses against you? He accuses you of your wrongs, and he causes you to fear death. The very things that the devil has uses to, to have power over us are the very things that Jesus has broken. The power of sin and the fear of death. Why? Because he has defeated the dominion, the power of that which separates us from God. You will never be empty when you're in Christ. You say, well, I'm in a dry place. No, you're just in a place of accusation and fear. You're in Christ. You lack nothing. God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. You become a partaker of the divine nature. Now, now listen to me. You're not him. He's not you. You're in union with him. And by that union, everything he is, he is in you. And everything you are, you are in him. It is a complete work. Why don't we know this? That's why I'm teaching it. This is my life message. Because I've discovered, if you discover who you are in Christ, suddenly what you think are limits are liberation. What you think may be boundaries is freedom. I can become everything that I was created to be because I am in Christ and Christ is in me. I don't have to worry about what you think of me or what the world says about me or anything because I know what he has said about me and I know where I stand. I know who I'm in. I know who's in me. And this life I now live, I live by dependence, by responding to the one I'm in. Now, it's better. It gets better. It gets better. If he lives to God, then count yourself alive to God. That's who you are. Now, look at verse 13 in the message. It says this. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life and you were incapable of responding to God, God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, the old arrest warrant canceled, and nailed to his cross. Do you ever have a problem with your past? Does the devil ever bring up something you did a long time ago? Well, what if he brings up something you did yesterday? Now listen to me. Yesterday, where were you? In Christ. I may have done something stupid, but it doesn't change who I am. What it means is I acted not like who I am. I behaved apart from who I really am. Behavior doesn't make me that. Christ makes me this. Now, does God like that behavior? Absolutely not. And guess what? Everyone he loves, he's going to discipline. And so I'll have the consequences of my stupidity, but I'll never be changed from my position, my place, my state of being in Christ. Because God put me there.
That's my security. My security is not in my behavior. My security is not in my beliefs. My security is not in the place that I am or the, the people I've joined. My security is in Christ. In Christ alone I stand. All other thoughts and places are sinking sand. Paul goes on to say, and it's not on the screen, but let me just read to you verse 15. And he's disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a spectacle of them, triumphing over them. That here's, here's the thing. God, Jesus didn't only take care of sin. He didn't only take care of self. He took care of Satan. He broke his power. You are an overwhelming conqueror through Christ Jesus. Now, now notice what I just said. We know that verse. I'm an overwhelming conqueror in Christ. I can't conquer it. It's been conquered. And as I abide in Him, as I stay in Him, as I live in Him, I'm an overwhelming conqueror. When when I'm there, and I'm there, nothing can touch me. Colossians 3, 4 says, And my life is hidden with Christ in God. With God. I said it wrong. My life is hidden with Christ. Christ in God. Hidden. Safe. Secure. Protected. That's the crowd I want to be in. Now here's the good news. Everybody that's in Christ, we could fill this thing up with the number of all the people that are in here. And you'd still be in Christ. And Christ would still be in us all. It is incredibly personal. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. I've been placed in that state. So what do you do? Well, here's the question. Are you in Christ? Now listen to me. I'm not asking you if you walked an aisle, raised your hand, confessed your sin, did all this kind of stuff. You see, we've, we've all believed the prescription, the process. And I'm not saying the process is wrong. But how many of you know you can, feel, you can do the process and not meet the person? You can be in a problem so bad, you want, you want out of it so bad that you'll do whatever anybody tells you to do. Guess what? You've just let them control you. It's coming to the person of Jesus Christ. It's coming to accept Him for who He is. To receive Him for who He is. Yes, all that He's done. All that He's promised. But it's not about accepting a religious thing. It's not about entering into a church agreement. It's not about joining a group. It's about entering into a person. Receiving a person and being put into that person. It's the reality of who He is. It's the reality of not just what He's done. Folks, listen to me. Jesus died for sin so that... Sin would never have a hold of your life. He paid its price. He took you to the cross so that sin would never have rule over your life. He defeated Satan so Satan, even though he can accuse you and he can threaten you, he has no power over you. That's why when you put on that armor, you can stand. Because you're standing in him. 
Colossians 3.1 says, so the message says, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. How do you get it? How do you... See, folks, it's not about working yourself to get to the place you're in Christ. It's coming to realize you can never get there apart from Him. An illustration, incomplete as it is, but it's still an illustration about who you are. The caterpillar. The caterpillar has the DNA of a butterfly. She doesn't strive to become a butterfly. She doesn't stress or fret over the matter. But right now, she's a worm. She's a worm with the DNA of a butterfly. And a lot of us think that our whole life is like a worm's existence. And a lot of times we go back to the Old Testament and we talk about being a worm before the Lord. But let me tell you what, God had a plan for worms. He wanted to make them butterflies. So what does a butterfly do with the DNA? What does a caterpillar, what does a worm do with the DNA of a butterfly? Well, it's called chrysalis. They weave themselves in. They become immersed in a cocoon. And for all appearances, the worm has disappeared. It's dead. It's, but it's not dead. It's, it's just being transformed. It's being changed from the inside out. You hear me? It's being changed from the inside out. The cocoon, she rests in that. She lets the process take its, do its work. The blueprints inside her have already declared what she's going to be. So the natural progression, the logical outcome, she, she becomes the butterfly. She, the, she's, she comes out of the cocoon something she's never been before. And so it is with us. She's never going to be ground bound again. She, she's now going to see life from a whole new perspective from above. And here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying to you is you've got to believe what God says about you and then let that work its way through our soul and out our life. I've got to believe that I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. I may not act like it sometimes. I may not think like it sometimes. I may be in circumstances that just seem to be opposite of that, but I've got to believe I'm in Christ because God put me there. I am in Him, and He's working this thing out in me. And as I believe it and act upon it, as I respond to it, God is progressively changing me inside out. And I discover... What I've always been. And I become. What I've always wanted. 
Not by striving, not by working, but by responding. By knowing and responding. Well, preacher, what if you don't know you're in Christ? Trust Christ. Well, I have trusted Christ. Then you're in Christ. Believe Him. Well, I I, I just don't act like it. Yeah, neither did she. Did you know what's never going to be said about her again? That she's a worm. Because she's not a worm. She's a butterfly. Now, does that mean everything's just going to be roses and peaches? How many of you have ever hit a butterfly on your windshield? Flop. Now listen to me. Did that change who she was? Just changes her existence. She's now in him. Pretty good save, don't you think? Here's my point. I really do have one. Believe. Believe what God says is true about you. It's you. Yes, it's Him. And you're in Him. And He's in you. But as long as you abide in Him, you will bring forth much fruit. Who brings forth the fruit? He does. You just got to stay in Him. Butterfly might go somewhere they're not supposed to go. They might light in places they should have never been. But it'll never change who they are. There might be a lot of bad things that happen to butterflies, but they'll never be a worm. Because they're in the DNA within them. It's produced the reality of who they are. Let me close. Romans 12.1 in the message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Be in Christ. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Boy, that is an important statement. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops a well-formed maturity in you. You're in Christ. Christ is in you. Present it to Him. Let Him conform you. Transform you. Let Him live out of you what He is in you. Because you're in Him. That's who you are. It'll change how you wake up in the morning. It'll change how you go to bed. 
It'll change everything. Because now you know I'm in the midst of that which I was created for. The fullness of God. And I'm full of Him. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that you reveal to us. Give us that revelation. Lord, the illustrations, don't un- they're not enough. Give us the, illust- the, the, the revelation. Lord, I believe. Help me my unbelief. Lord, I want you to work in me that which you want from me. I trust you. I present myself to you afresh and anew this morning. I know I'm in you. I know you're in me. But I want you to be through me. I want you to live by means of me in this world. I want the world to see the Christ who is living through me. Lord, would you pour out your presence upon this people? Would you let them walk out full and free and forever filled with your love and grace? You're completely full. He's not left anything out. Trust Him. How do I do that? I just say yes. I can't. You can. I do. I I trust you. Father, I pray right now that the power of the blood of Jesus would break every power, every chain, every bondage and would set us free. Free to believe. Free to walk. Free to live. Thank you. We trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stay? Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.